bring me shelter. I will not harm you. Bring me shelter, please. Bring me shelter. I will not harm you. I would shelter you. People would do anything for their families. It could happen to anyone anytime. Somebody in France, somebody in England basically sat down with a ruler and just drew lines on that. There are many different ethnic and religious groups that have been divided across borders and this has caused a significant amount of conflict. There are a lot of people who need safety. It is really cruel for a country like Australia to have policies that are focused only on pushing people away. What we're seeing is a number of people that remain in a state of limbo. And when non-sustainable land use combines with climate change, the crisis of refugees. I wasn't able to go and play with children. I had to go and really be an adult from a very young age. I think that's something that a lot of migrant children can relate to. Really, it was a dream for me to reunite with my family. I was just praying and hoping that that day will come one day. I think it's very important for people to understand that people have their own dreams as well and they're wanting to change the world with everybody else. Refugee Radio, 855am, 3CR. Good morning and welcome to Refugee Radio on 3CR. My name is Brendan Bonsack. 3CR broadcasts from the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. This is stolen land, indigenous sovereignty was never ceded. We pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. This month the LNP government will seek to repeal the Medivac bill in Parliament The Medivac process passed in February in spite of opposition from federal government MPs and has allowed over 100 refugees and asylum seekers to come to Australia for medical treatment. The bill is under real threat, with uh, potentially just one more vote in the Senate for the government to be successful in getting it repealed. On today's show, we replay excerpts from a Save Medivac rally held in Melbourne on the 9th of November in support of the bill. Speakers include Adam Bant, MP, Greens Deputy Leader, Betel Hem, Nauru detention survivor and activist Beruz Bashani, Kurdish-Iranian refugee and a live feed from uh, PNG just before he left the island, and Christine Cummins, mental health nurse, ex-torture and trauma counsellor on Christmas Island and author of Dignity in a Teacup. I thank you everyone for coming today because it's very important for us to for medic for medivac. My name is Betelem. I I come from offshore Nauru detention center uh, for medical treatment on 2015, and then I was in Brisbane detention for two years. Yeah, thank you. Uh, let's have a minute silence for uh, Dr. Said, the most recent victim of the policy which refused to see and the three refugees of human beings, please. Thank you. I saw there is a pain, both mentally and uh, physically. I heard there is a cry for help. I too cry for help. But there was even more shocking for me was seeing how our cry went unheard and how our server went untreated. This was partly because there was not enough, not enough right of medicine or enough right of equipment to treat us on Nauru. But poor, poor facility was not only reason for the lack of Medicare. 
The lack, the lack of care was due to Australian government to the politician who had chosen to block their ears or cry for help. It was due to the politician who didn't even, they could, who, who spend a huge amount of money fighting in the court to stop every sick people, even sick children from coming to Australia. Let me ask, ask you something. What kind of people refuse to hear the cry of fellow human being in pain? What kind of people refuse to move by suffering our pain or human? They are kind of people who care about themselves than anything else. They are, they are kind of people who prefer to sacrifice the life of innocent people for their own political life. They are kind of people who choose to believe that refugees are not human. They are kind of people who use false and harmful level to their own people to fear and hate refugees. They are politicians who prefer to make innocent people very, very sick to even let innocent people die because they can't think of another more human way to deter people from coming by boat. Let me, let me tell you, these are kind of people who want to get rid medieval. And it's because this kind of people, because this politician that we need to save Medipal. Medivac has forced this politician to take their hand off their ears. Medivac has meant that the cry of sick and the suffering refugee on now and the man is not being heard. Medivac has meant that those refugees now have the right to treatment. Medivac has meant that sick people so on Nauru now have the chance to get well. Medivac also has meant to hope. One of the most difficult things for people who are held in detention for a long time in this loss of hope, the loss of anything to look forward. Hopeless, hopelessness as well, now we can be fatal. This is the tragedy, the case of Dr. Said. He lost his hope, he saw no way to forward, no back. I saw last time Said when I was in Brisbane detention. He was, he was seeking a light and a hope, but he couldn't find that light that hope or any kind of uh, light because he came here to research his dream but he ended up with Coven. That's not fair, that's very shame. But let me end my speaking personally for a moment. Let me tell you why medieval is very important to me, why someone who is lucky enough to be in this beautiful country, this warm and the welcoming city of Melbourne, cares so deeply and so personally that we save a, medi a medieval. For part of my wanting with all my heart that all my friends in Naro and Benji get this care, they need medical for recognize that's true. That means that really that's very important for us because it's a life and a death. So everyone have to be safe and come to get their treatment here because I was on that situation before. Uh, I came here because of my medic, medical treatment because I have a little support on that time. There was a beautiful people that around on me, Australian, like uh, Pamela Lakur, thank you very much. She tried her best to brought me here in Australia in 2015, thank you. Thank you very much all of you to have you, so please, that just let's save Medivac because it's very important for us. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.
thanks and I want to acknowledge the Wurundjeri and pay respects to Elders past and present and acknowledge that this always was and always will be Aboriginal land. And thank you all um, for coming out here. This is just a wonderful, wonderful show of support. Uh, and I'm here with a colleague from the House of Representatives, Josh Burns, who I want to acknowledge um, because we're wanting to make sure that a basic principle remains in law. And that basic principle is this. If you're sick, you should get the medical help that you need. It's a very, very basic principle that not only no one in this country, but I think no one in the world would disagree with. But what we know is that there are many, many people who have been locked up in these offshore hell holes who have been sick, in part because our government has made them sick, because that's what mandatory indefinite detention does. When you take someone who has committed no crime and done nothing wrong other than to come here asking to seek our help, and then you lock them up and you imprison them and you put them in subhuman conditions and you never let them know when they're going to get out, then it makes people sick. And that is what our government and successive governments have been doing for some time. And as a result, not only were people getting sick and not only were people taking their own lives or threatening to take their own lives or trying to take their own lives, which is getting, pushing people to the ultimate limit, to the breaking point. But when they were sick and people on their behalf sought to get them brought to a place where they could get their proper medical treatment, the government, Peter Dutton, Scott Morrison, fought them tooth and nail every time. And they will tell you, oh, it's okay. Um, look, we got children out of detention and we got people the help that they deserved. Well, it wasn't because of the own goodwill of the government. Every time that a refugee advocate sought to bring someone here, the government opposed it. And transfers almost always only happened once the court proceedings had been filed. And we came to a view last year across the political spectrum that even if you defend mandatory detention, which I don't, but I know others do, even if you agree with that, there is no basis for denying someone the help they need when they get sick. Whatever the cause, if someone is sick, get them the help. Governments and people like Peter Dutton should not be able to stand in the way between a sick person and their doctor. And that is a fundamental, fundamental principle that we were all able to agree upon. And so working together across the political spectrum, we were able to get a change to the law that said, Courts can't stand, or the government can't stand in the way and force people to go to courts. Bureaucrats or people like Peter Dutton can't step in and say, well, you may be sick, but I'm going to deny you the care that you need. If doctors said someone needed help, then they would get brought to Australia to get that help. Now, I wish that the bill that we passed dismantled offshore mandatory detention. I really wish it did. But it didn't. And in fact, the people who were brought here to get help under the law remain in detention. Okay? So there is no basis for Scott Morrison and Peter Dutton to say that somehow this undermines the terribly harsh laws that they've got. Because even if you agree with those terribly harsh laws, the people who are getting brought here for help remain in detention while they're getting help here. So what possible basis could you have for wanting to repeal it? The only possible basis that the government could have 
for wanting to repeal it is that it is addicted to cruelty and that it wants sick people to continue to suffer. It wants the right to make people sick and then to deny them the treatment they need when they get sick. Well, we are here on behalf of common humanity and common decency to say, no, the law should reflect what everyone feels, one of us feels in our hearts, which is that if you are sick, you get the help that you need, whoever you are, wherever you come from. And it is critical, it is critical that they have the right to come to Australia to get that help because, as we said, so many of the problems on places like Manus and Nauru have been because we have forced people into a prison where their minds have begun to break and they have begun to, to threaten to take their own lives. And when you get to that point, you need intensive assistance. And it's not always just medicine about the body, it's sometimes medicine about the mind to get you back thinking that there is a reason to live. And they did not have the, the qualified psychiatrists that could speak the languages that are needed on places like Nauru and Manus. They did not have the kind of allied mental health support that everyone who's in that situation needs. They did not have even some of the basic procedures, some of the, some of the most basic procedures like giving birth, was not a procedure, but if someone, someone's giving birth and they need medical assistance, even that, they weren't necessarily set up to do that. And so we came up with a law and we passed a law that this country supports and that the whole world supports. We need to stand united and stop the government from tearing it down and it is probably going to come down to one vote. It is probably going to come down to what one senator does. And we need you all, we need you all over the next little while as this bill continues to get to be to debated to stand up and to continue to stand up to make the voices of decency heard and to send the message that even if you want this cruel system of mandatory detention to continue, this bill won't undermine it. This bill just gives people the basic help and medical help that they need. So please, every single senator is going to be accountable when the vote comes. Every single senator is going to be accountable. And they need to know loud and clear that the public will stand with them if they stand on the side of humanity and they stand on the side of decency and vote no to repealing Medivac. Thank you. Hey, how's it going? You're listening to 3CR Radical Radio. This is Refugee Radio on 3CR, 855 AM or 3CR Digital. We're listening to audio from Save Medivac Rally on the 9th of November in Melbourne. The next speakers are Baruz Bushani and Christine Cummins. So we're going to make welcome Baruz Bushani now. Thank you very much. Hey, thank you uh, for your support. Uh, it's very valuable and so important that still people of Australia, a part of the Australian society, care about humanity. And today you gather here to support people who uh, left in Port Moresby and uh, in, uh, in Naro. Yeah, I'm not going to give you just uh, some slogan, just I would like to uh, say something about the current situation and why 
supporting medieval law is important. Uh, unfortunately, the Australian government has deprived uh, people to have access to medical treatment, which is the basic human right for more than six years. And still they are, uh, you know, insisting to continue to this uh, harsh and barbaric policy. Uh, right now, uh, our big concern is about uh, the 46 people who uh, jailed in Romana prison in Fort Murphy. And uh, the, the, the most of them uh, are really sick, mentally sick and physically sick. Uh, these 46 people uh, have been in that uh, prison for more than two months. And we get some very, very uh, negative information, and they are really living uh, in a very, very harsh condition. They are starving, and they uh, no, uh, have access to uh, medication and uh, medical treatment. Uh, many of them are really accepted by the, the medivac, and they should fly to Australia to get medical treatment, but unfortunately still the Australian government and PNU government uh, refused to recognize their uh, rights. And so what is happening there is uh, the crime against humanity. And we need uh, your support. We need people to uh, raise uh, our voice and fight against this system and put pressure on the government to uh, release these people. So it is the main concern. And the second thing, I think, the Medivac law, uh, in my perspective, still Medivac law is a fascistic law because they are talking about the basic uh, right. They are talking about uh, medical treatment. And I think in this period, in this historical period, uh, people and the government should now have this right to think, even think about this, to deprive people, people to have access to medical treatment. But now, I think this law is the only hope for sick people in Fort and in Noro, and we should support this. It is the only opportunity and the only hope for people who are forgotten. So what I would like to ask is that we still have some time to put pressure on the government and put pressure on the, the Jackie Lambie, the senator, that her vote is very important, just put pressure on them to uh, don't repeal the uh, law. And so let people to have access to medical treatment. Right now, we are 250 people. So, so far, I think 150 people went to Australia under Medivac law, and the boat didn't come to Australia. 
So what the government is saying is a big lie, and they are manipulating Australian people and the media. So uh, I am sure I can guarantee, and it is clear, if they don't change maybe that law, you know, this people get access to medical treatment, and that is uh, doesn't relate to what is happening on the ocean. And so, what the government is saying is a big lie. It is a big lie, and I think it is the time that people of Australia, you know, understand that the Australian government, the Liberal Party, is playing with people on their uh, national security. It is the uh, must and then one of the biggest lie in the, the Australian history. And so uh, I think, yes, um, I'm not going to talk too much. Just uh, please uh, continue to fight against this system and continue uh, to fight and put pressure on the government to save Medivac. It is the only hope for people, and uh, it's so, so important for people who have been living in uh, limbo for more than six, six years, which is a big shame for uh, Australian government and for international community. Yeah, thank you very much. It's with great pleasure that I introduce our next person who, is an, who was a nurse on Nauru and who is a whistleblower and who has supported many people and in their time of need on Nauru and here in Australia too. So Christine, Christine Cummins, we'd like to welcome you and thank you very much for speaking to us today. Thank you. I just have to correct, I was actually a torture and trauma counsellor for five years on Christmas Island. I've never actually been to Nauru or Manus Island. Um, however, the conditions of detainment um, remain revolting wherever you are forcibly locked up. So I spent five years working as a torture and trauma counsellor on Christmas Island and I've watched and listened as people seeking asylum have been cleverly aligned as potential terrorists and criminals not worthy of humane treatment or compassion. I've borne witness to the misuse of power by public servants and I've watched as this power has been increased to determine the treatment outcomes for vulnerable men, women and children. Healthcare decision-making is often time critical and should never be granted to public servants focused on government or departmental agendas. This threat to revoke the Medivac bill highlights the punitive nature of current government policies and a firm disregard for humanity. As a healthcare professional, I was directed to submit my clinical recommendations to people working for the Department of Immigration. They were the gatekeepers, who were more often than not would refuse access to treatment. My recommendations were repeatedly ignored because they didn't make match with the immigration policy or government objective of the time. I watched as people deteriorated in their mental and physical health, day by day, month by month, year by year. 
I was forced to beg high-ranking public servants all the way to the Minister for Immigration for my recommendations to be acknowledged and acted on. These recommendations were evidence-based, calling on treatment that would prevent a death or a lifelong legacy of enduring mental or physical illness. Medical treatment decision-making is far outside the scope of practice for a public servant, and this should only be made by healthcare professionals. Unfortunately, it's not only the medical treatment of people seeking asylum that we as a nation should be ashamed of. We're the only nation in the world deliberately and callously detaining people seeking asylum for an indefinite period. We should be mortified that our government sends people back to their country of origin to danger or death. That we permanently separate families that were refused to offer long-term safety and security to thousands of people during a period of global crisis. When I arrived on Christmas Island, the conditions in the centre seemed fair and reasonable. They allowed for physical health screening, a security check, and the processing of asylum claims to be granted a permanent humanitarian visa. But things have changed dramatically since then, and I've witnessed an increase in mental illness among men, women, and children. Grown men bedwetting, children automatically answering to a number, not their name. Distressed people punished if they self-harmed, rather than being given uh, supportive care. Healthcare professionals directed to ignore guiding ethical principles to allow government policies to prevail. My time on Christmas Island was the first time in my career that I'd found myself working for an administration that was not focused on the rights and care of the patient. The policies did not reflect my professional duty of care and the key bioethical principles, in particular non-maleficence, to do no harm. Our team were determined to deliver therapeutic care to vulnerable people, but it was increasingly difficult to maintain the integrity of our service without being labelled anarchists. I recognised that if ever there was a time in my life to be tested, this was it. I was impressed by the negative impact secrecy and fear has over decision-making. I witnessed compassionate healthcare professionals follow without question policies and directives that would have made shocking headlines here on the mainland. I observed dehumanisation and harm inflicted on people for political motivation, the sum of which has been the greatest ethical confrontation in my professional career. I was forced into clandestine advocacy while on the island and became a weekly irritant to public servants and to officials in powerful positions. When I left the island, I made a considered decision to speak up, knowing that I was breaching the newly legislated secrecy provisions and that I was risking my reputation professionally and my registration. With successful petitioning, we had that secrecy, the secrecy provisions repealed through the House of Representatives, proving that with the right amount of support, we can make a difference. It's nearly five years since I returned from Christmas Island, and I've been working with others to make a positive change. 
It can be exhausting and frustrating, but we have evidence that collectively we can make a positive impact. We need to work together and call on the government to honour the right to seek asylum, to offer protection with humane treatment, to stop using people's lives for political power broking, to stop directing healthcare professionals to ignore their duty of care, and to accept the terms and conditions of this current Medivac bill. Thank you. You've been listening to Refugee Radio on 3CR, where we played excerpts from the Save Medivac rally held on the 9th of November in Melbourne. Tune in every week on Sunday at 10am. My name is Brendan Bonsack. Stay tuned for Latin American Update.